Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. And I'm Stuart. We're both property people running our own businesses. This podcast is just us chatting, as we often do, about anything and everything property. Before we get started into the, the real meat of our episode this week, I'd just like to quickly mention that Stephanie, a guest from a, a couple of weeks ago now, has provided a, a fantastic offer for, for a free Getting Started in Rent to Rent book um, that, that she has written. And all you have to do is leave us a review. So please do write something nice, give us five stars, take a screenshot and look back to the, the show notes for how you can turn that into a fantastic free book from Stephanie. So on slightly less fantastic and happy news, Stuart, you are having trouble with one of your tenants. And this has a, a, been a long running theme and you've been trying to achieve vacant possession ready for a sale hmm. and uh, and i believe you've had a new hiccup in that process <laughs> yes it's been a long process mentioned several times over the over the last few months essentially this tenant we served notice on uh, back in january so you know well over seven months now and she has made no effort to vacate the property although she is saying she will now the challenge we have is that we actually agreed a sale so we served notice at the point of agreeing sale we were very open and transparent with the buyer told them that we've got a tenant that we had to serve notice because she wasn't going to go easily and the the buyer was was open to that they actually didn't want the property till june july anyway but the, the recent turn of events is that the tenant is now telling me that they have found another place they are going to move out they actually told us that at the back end of July. And I said, okay, that's great. But can you please share with me the the AST, something from you, the landlord agency, which which demonstrates what that is, what the moving date is, because uh, we, we just need to see that. And I think that was promised to me back uh, you know, at the end of July. I still haven't seen it. And we actually did, you know, the dance of every day, me sending a text saying, have you got that AST? Oh, yes, sorry, I'll do that. I'll print it off tonight when I get back from work. And then of the evening, sorry, I'll, I'll, I need to do it when I'm in the office. And, you know, that went on for a couple of weeks. And then quite funnily, I, could, I did get sent an image of a, an agreement. And I mean, it meant nothing. There were too many areas covered. And it was only the tenant's signature. But where the, sig- the signature date said the 31st of August, the tenancy start, 31st of August 2015, which, interestingly, I think was around the date she signed the tenancy agreement for the property, my property. So call me cynical, but I think there's something oh, going on. The, the more serious and, and bad news is that the, the buyers have now pulled out because they just got fed up. Mm. My, my first reaction to that was one of, not one of well, it was one of surprise. I, I completely understand, by the way, because they, they've been extremely patient. They've waited several months. But what I didn't understand was that I was saying, being quite clear with the agent, saying, "Look, she is moving out. She sent me a few texts. The truth is, I don't have anything concrete yet to say that. But she has told me several times. I've also heard from neighbours that she's found somewhere in the same street. But what I don't fully understand is that the buyers had waited several months." And then at the start of August, just said, yeah, we're, we're going to pull out and we're going to rent. And I just thought it's, 
it seems really strange to have waited several months, but then now knowing that, you know, the end is in sight for you know, about four weeks away at that time, and then to pull out. But by the way, I, I don't put any, you know, animosity towards them whatsoever. They're well within their rights to do that, to be honest. I, I'm, I was surprised they were even still in the process, but it just, I just found that bit a bit strange. Yeah, I mean, it's six months-ish that they've been been continuing with the process and hanging around. and. Now to to go back to square one in their in their purchasing process. I mean that seems seems very strange. And you say they now they actually now needed the property, so they've had to go to rent instead. So presumably they've had to do that anyway. So they could still continue with the purchasing process and then move out of their rental property into that. I, I suppose they might have had to commit to a six month contract or something with the rental. Yeah. So so maybe they're they're concerned about having too much overlap there or something, but. My view on that is I think when you've waited that long and you're pulling out, you, you're kind of, well, it, my experience is that your kind of emotion towards the purchase is, is solid and you just think, you know what, let's, let's just move on. I mean, it's, it is a lovely property overlooking. So and it, it is what it is. It's just frustrating because, you know, what's, what's scuppered it in the end, yeah, and we don't know. There might be other reasons from the buyer perspective where circumstances have changed, but I, I, I do believe what they're saying in this. But ultimately, it's because the tenant has decided just to be really inconsistent. But as we know, that's the case. When you get these situations, you're, you're not dealing with people that are going to deal with things in an effective, professional manner. They're people that have obviously you know, decided to, or not decided to, but can just no longer cope with what we might consider standard actions like providing information such as actually I don't have an agreement I'm waiting for it that might it might come to me in 10 days but interestingly she did forward me parts of a message from a whatsapp message from uh, allegedly between the, the her new landlord and myself whether that landlord said if he needs information I can contact him directly. So I, I, I saw that and said, why don't you just get the land? But of course, I know why she doesn't, because she's fearful that I'm going to relay all this information, which I'm now more inclined to do, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, great. Don't put your new landlord in touch with your old landlord when, yeah. uh, when you're busy messing around <laughs> and uh, making life difficult for your old landlord. <laughs> when you're making life difficult, when you're over four months in rent arrears and the the latest update so i drove down to the property i had a couple of things to do but specifically wanted to see the property she'd been notified and god bless the tenant has now changed her lock on the front door without notifying me and it's it's explicitly in the contract that you can't do that and you certainly need to notify people that you've changed locks so there's another yeah. you know there's there's another black mark in the book but the the other thing that did make me laugh and i'm glad we're talking about it you know, a few days after the event, because I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more sanguine about the, the scenario, and and, I, and I'll come on to that in a second, but is that the, the bit of the AST that she did forward me, apparently her new, her new agreement said that the rent is, I, I don't want to give away the actual figures, but essentially she hasn't been able to pay me full rent for quite some time now. In fact, she's, we're taking it directly from universal credit, but it's about... 15 to 20% less than what the agreed rent should be. However, on her new agreement, the rent, the rental amount is 10% greater than what she currently can't pay me. So I'm quite bemused by that fact that she's now agreed to, to rent a property where she's paying 
you know, in terms of numbers, she's paying £50 more per rent, where she's actually underpaying me by around £70 at the moment. So net, net difference of 120 So that's kind of uh, gotten yeah. my goat. Another reason not to connect the two landlords. <laughs> <laughs> well, but the thing is now I've got I've now got greater motivation to do it. So the argument is, so there's a moral question here, isn't there? And this, I might ask you this question in this scenario, Simon. So I don't know who that landlord is, but let's say I could find out, or you, you know, we could find out who that landlord was. A, you do want to move this tenant out so you can move on with your life and move on with the property. But B, she's now moving to another landlord stroke landlady and you know what they're inheriting. What do you do? That is the uh, the million dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so I think I would try to tread a sort of middling ground. So I wouldn't go looking for, the, for this new landlord to, to try and proactively advise some of things. However, if you've got any sense when you're taking on a new tenant, you get references from their their current landlord, or you get a reference from their current landlord. Mm-hmm. So, of course, if the new landlord does that, then then I would I would respond. And I believe, generally speaking, you're not allowed to, to sort of be deliberately derogatory in in references, but you can, of course, be factual and answer the questions. So, again, I think I probably wouldn't volunteer information that, that they're behind with rent or causing issues with the, the eviction process however if the question was asked as part of that referencing process then i would i would answer it i'd be honest yeah. i'd be be truthful with it and yeah if that means that they end up being rejected and and continue to be be hassle for me then then that's the the unfortunate side effect of that but yeah, i certainly wouldn't try to hide information or no or, no or hold I, yeah. it back if, if asked and, and that's that certainly would never would never be mind i would yeah i just wouldn't do that but no, I think that's I think that's a, a solid approach, and it's, it's it's a little bit of ask me no questions, I'll tell you no lies, but that that is kind of the way it works. And, and you're right because that should be the diligent approach. And and I don't know who the landlord is. Funny enough, I did email one of the neighbours today to say, do do you know? But equally, based on some of the exchanges that I've seen, it seems like they, they might know each other, the landlady and the prospective tenant. Uh-huh. So. I, I certainly feel much more inclined to, you know, follow through with regards to rent arrears. I mean, not not that I wouldn't. Actually, I would, because I'm I've got some tenant issues myself as a previous tenant. So, as people know, I've you know moved into our property as a, as a home buyer at the start of July. We're, we're having some significant issues, which I can't talk about at the moment because we're in an arbitration process. So, I, I kind of see both sides of the equation, but I think. Certain people don't help themselves because I'm less inclined to help someone where when I've met them several times and said, look, just tell me what's going on. If you just tell me and you're and you're open with me, I'm going to be open with you and just help you. Whereas, you know, now that, you know, they stop taking calls, change the doors on my locks and everything else. Then I know it's, it's a bit like you're under attack, isn't it, in terms of what they're doing? I don't want to, to give away any uh, any tips to your tenant. but I saw some stats recently on on eviction processes going through the courts specifically, and the the sort of headline alarmist figure was that the court eviction process is currently taking around sixty weeks for landlords to to actually get their property back to regain possession. 
Mm. Uh, and that's that's in the region of 14 months. 14 months to go through a court process and, and get that get your property back. Something for sort to put that in context or to gauge it against something, the the normal time for this process outside of COVID and, and all the other changes of late is 20 weeks or about 20 weeks. So that's four and a half, five months, something like that. Mm. So even, even in normal times, if you have to go through the full court process to regain your, the possession of your property, it's slow. It takes ages. And, and of course, the, the tenants carry on living in the property, quite possibly without paying the rent during this time. And it's, it's difficult for landlords. And given the, the changes from the pandemic, the changes in the law and the pausing of evictions and things, it, and pausing of court processes, it's, it's only got worse. And as a landlord, if you have a, a really difficult tenant who you can't get out of your property potentially for over a year, I mean, that's, that's bad news. And I really hope you're not in that situation. <laughs> well, as you know, I'm an, I'm an eternal optimist, despite what happens. Uh, I, I think she will be out of property, but I'm also a realist. And if it took me 60 weeks to get her out, then fine. That's what we'll do. And my view is that you know, now anyway, was now, now that the sale's fallen through, I always had in the back of my mind, I, because the truth is she's, she, she put an animal in the property that she, you know, quite explicitly said, and this is quite a topical one, isn't it, around pets. But, you know, the agreement was no pets. She bought a dog. And it did, but it, it was at the stage where I'd just gotten to the, the point where I could no longer challenge. It was just, you know, I, I was now suffering from apathy. But <laughs> essentially the property has, it's not been trashed. It just, it's just never been cleaned. And if you never clean anything and you've got dogs, dog and all that stuff, it's just it's just a not a very nice property. So when we agreed a price on it, I'd probably agreed somewhere between a five and a ten percent reduction on that price because of the state mm-hmm. it was in. But now we've gotten to this stage, I'm gonna go sort of full ahead and, and actually give you know, clean the property, refurbish the property, and I actually wanna move the kitchen into the, the lounge area to make it a two bed rather than a one bed. And it's, it's an interesting one because the the, the estate agents is, is kind of trying to talk me out of it and saying, oh, well, you know, there'll only be a, a small uplift. And I said, well, yeah, you know, what's your, what's your guesstimate? And they're saying, well, probably sort of like 10-ish thousand. And I know I can probably get what I need to be done for around three to five. So although it might be negligible in someone's language, you know, to get an extra 5K sale for me is not insignificant. And, and also yeah. it makes the property more desirable. Yeah, they're... they're- chasing commission sooner rather than later aren't they <laughs> yeah so am I, am I hearing this correctly you're now you, you've shifted from trying to to market it and sell it now to concentrating on the eviction process and then once you've got the property back you're then going to clean it and refurb it and perhaps make actual changes to it and only at that point would you then put it back on the market for sale yeah that's right that's what we're going to do yeah I mean, the tenant's adamant that she'll be gone by the 1st of September. So regardless of everything that's going on, it, I kind of can't. It's one of those, I mean, I'm in between a rock and a hard place because Section 21 has 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 gone. We've got, I think, I can't remember the extra days, but let, let's say it's three months. I've got three months to serve that. But that, that's going to cost you about 350 quid or 355. Yeah, but that, that's for the court fees. To yeah. Clarify it. 
yeah, I could do a section eight, but what's the point? We've already got the section 21. But because she sent so many messages saying, you know, actually she accused me of harassing her at one stage because I sent her one text a day and, and I called her once a day. And I've been very clear about doing that for the very reason I didn't want to be accused of upsetting her mental health. And this, this is another challenge, which I'm sure a lot of la- landlords and investors listening to this can identify with. This is the struggle. But because of that, I thought, well, okay, I might as well wait until the 1st of September. And then if there's no movement, then fine, we're just going to go for the court costs. Because I said to her, look, if I have to submit this to, to court, I will be reclaiming everything from yourself. And she said, look, don't, don't, you don't need to do that. I will be gone. That would be silly. It's one of those, as frustrating as it is, I've got to wait a couple of weeks uh, and we'll see where we're at. Yes, indeed. It, it is just frustrating, isn't it? And, and the waiting. And although you, you obviously want to give them a chance to actually follow through on what they've said, obviously they've been saying, oh, just another day, just another week for for a while. If Maybe not with the actual moving out date, but with the providing you the paperwork and contact with the new landlord and, and things like that. So is it just them trying to delay and play for time or, or yeah. are they actually planning to do something? It's, it's very, very hard to judge. But of course, the longer you delay starting the court process, the the longer it's going to be before that court process finishes if you have to take it through to that, that point. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah, all, all very The saving grace in this scenario is just that let's just say what she's saying isn't true or it, it doesn't happen for whatever reason then because we've now got the process of taking the rent directly from universal credit, I, that is one concern I don't have, which helps. It's it, it's comfort to know at least the mortgage is covered and that kind of thing. I, I think the big issue for me is just in this situation is is that the tenant's saying, oh, it's really hard to get a place and I've had it difficult. Now, that might be true. I'm not saying that couldn't be true. And she, <laughs> some of her words to me, and I've had to bite my tongue like, you know, on text and, and not respond, but it's just like, you just need to be patient. I'll be gone in a few weeks. And it's like, be patient. I actually transparently said to her back last December, you know, we will be selling this property just to let you know so you can start putting the feelers out. But even since we served a Section 21, that's several months. So I believe we've been fairly patient. Yeah, I think I think that is quite a good definition of patience, really. <laughs> Wait, waiting six months plus <laughs> for, for some action and uh, and yet not seemingly seeing any. Yeah. Yeah, of course, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure in her. So we, we'll be the the horrible landlord that's kicking her out and not being, you know, all of those other things. But that we have to take. Yep, quite. I mean, it's uh, it's all about the point of views, isn't it? And and they're they're not going to see the the angles that that you do and we, we do. They'll they'll just assume you're you're rich and you've got properties coming out of your ears and you, you don't need any rent. No, it's fine and. You, you don't need to do anything else with this property? No, why would you want to sell it or anything like that? No, you don't, you don't need to buy a house of your own, do you? No, oh, that's you, it. You, you must already have several of those spare. <laughs> yeah, and I haven't even mentioned to that, that the sale's fallen through because I'm, I'm sort of reticent to do that in case it suddenly makes a thing, oh, well, hold on, actually, if it's not being sold, I could just stay here now for a while. So, yeah, right. Uh, I, yeah, it, I think that's definitely uh, need to know information, and uh, and yes, as you say, they they don't need to know that, and it, it may have unwanted effects on on their their actions. Yes, yeah. it's, it's important they keep going in the process, really. So, yeah, you don't don't want to derail that. No, well, I, I hope this episode hasn't come across as a you know a twenty minute moan. I hope, you know, <laughs> I, I like to think that we've been positive about it. We've talked about 
the challenges. And I think the, if I try and pull out the positives for me, it's about understanding that these things do happen and it's just about following the right processes, i.e. You know, for us it was serving the Section 21 and then also having to be agile. In this case, you know, the sale's fallen through. Obviously, this is like the second sale that's fallen through for me, at least the second this year. But knowing that that is part of the process and moving on. So hopefully there's some learnings there. And there were other elements that, that you and I were talking about before we hit the record button related to TORTS, T-O-R-T-S. I'm not sure we've got time to start going into this because this is it's quite a long story. But yeah, TORTS yeah. is the, the Interference with Goods Act. The Interference with Goods Act, yeah. Yeah, all about dealing with people's possessions and things related to us, obviously, after, or potentially after evictions. But I think, if, if you agree, Stuart, then we should hold this back until next week. So if you're interested in a rather um, long story about some fairly difficult learnings around the Torts Act, then tune in next week and we'll try not to bore you too much. In the meantime, I think it just leaves for me to, to round up this episode and remind you that if you leave us a, a rating and review, make sure you check the show notes and you can get a free rent to rent book out of that as well. And of course, show notes can be found at thebusinessofproperty.com. And otherwise, Stuart and I will talk to you again next week. Yeah.